Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. All right, what's up, everyone out there? Derek Hatch back in action. Thank you so much for spending some time with us at the All Things Narrative podcast. It is June. Hopefully, school is out if you have kids or if you're a college student and you are getting into that summertime relaxation or whatever you got planned this summer. I know in Florida, it gets really hot. It's hurricane season. So it's not particularly my favorite time of the year, but I do get to spend some more time with my kids. So it all works out great. All right. Well, before we jump into this episode, just want to remind you guys that you can learn more about what we do and get connected with us on social media. That's Facebook and Instagram at all things narrative. You can also check out our website, allthingsnarrative.com to learn about upcoming events, workshops. Uh, if you have a business, an organization, if you have a group that wants to learn about the ways that storytelling can serve you and what you're doing, how it can help you to grow into the person that you are meant to be, then check out what we do for that. And yeah, we're going to jump into this because we are going to have a special guest here today. Now, I met this guy a while ago at networking. And there's been a few people on this podcast who I've met at the same networking group as well. And so Jeremy is one of them. And we're going to get to learn a little bit about his story today, about who he is and why he does what he does. And I'm really excited because Jeremy is a story guy as well. And you'll see that with what he does, that he's in a position where he gets to listen to a lot of people's stories. And so that's something that we never, ever want to take for granted, right? Like I remember someone in, in school, they said in class one time that when we get to listen to a person's story, it's a sacred moment because not everybody is willing to share their story with everyone. And so I do take that very seriously because everyone has a story that deserves to be heard because everyone matters and everyone's story matters. And so let's go ahead and get into this. I want to introduce to you Jeremy Norfis. He is a serial entrepreneur. So we both got that entrepreneurial spirit in common. And so let's go ahead and welcome Jeremy to the show. Well, thanks so much for uh, having me, Derek. I, I want to say first, thanks for having me. Also, second, thanks for calling me a special guest. Um, I've been called special before, but usually not in that context. Um, so I definitely appreciate you having me on and referring to me as a special guest. Yeah. I'll try not to let you down. <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. So, Jeremy, let's go ahead and start and just learn a little bit more about you and about your story. And so tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and how you got here today. Um, so originally from South Florida, born and raised. And like you mentioned, Derek, we did meet at the Common Grounds Networking Group. Mm -hmm. I literally live five minutes away from here. Spent, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, my, that's my mother's house. I uh, was raised in that house. Outside of going to college at uh, UCF Orlando for a couple years and living in Arizona, um, that's pretty much home base for me. So 
everything is centralized there in that Boynton Beach area. Wow. Um, really into sports, and I do think that really drove a lot of the direction of my life. Um, so started playing basketball, football at a very young age, mm-hmm. uh, dabbled in baseball a little bit, but it really it ingrained the relationships that I have today. Mm. Um, a lot of the people that I know um, that I've met recently, they'll tell me how fortunate I am to have five plus friends that I've known for 20 plus years. Wow. Um, and each of their weddings, eventually when I get married, they'll be in my wedding. Yeah. Um, so it's just a really, really good thing to have that close knit group of friends and also still be close to home base. Obviously you have some people that have gone and come back. You have some that are, are away for work or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it, it really is a nice feeling to know that you have people that really care about you outside of family. Um, so outside of sports, um, played middle school, high school, um, ended up going to the University of Central Florida mm-hmm. and got my marketing degree. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, uh, or excuse me, transitioning from the University of Central Florida, I had this, I want to say this attitude that I was going to step out as soon as I graduated and get this $100,000 job. Uh-huh. I just had this sense of entitlement and reality smacked me in the face pretty hard. Wow. Um, so one of the sports connections that I had, um, there was actually a receiver that played high school football with me. His mother was a principal at one of the local elementary schools. Okay. Really, really nice woman. And she'd always check on me after graduation. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jeremy, how's everything going? Um, I, I know you just graduated. How's the job search going? Yeah. And probably after... After three or four times of asking me that, um, I just point blank told her. I was like, hey, listen, it's not what I thought it would be. Um, either every job that I go on an interview for, I'm either overqualified or underqualified. Yeah. And there's no one that's really actually to- willing to work with me. Um, so those were the things that we discussed. And she actually offered me a position to work at her elementary school as yeah. an aftercare counselor. Oh, cool. So, hey, we've both been in the aftercare field. Pride was in the way. I said no. So initially I said no. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I I just went and got this degree. Uh, I'm not going to get a degree to take an aftercare job. Yeah. Eventually my bank account made the decision for me. (laughs) So when I went back to her, I was like, hey, Miss McKeever, um, let's start. And I I do want to have some money coming in while I'm still looking for other jobs. So I spent probably a year and a half at the after school, um, Crosspoint Elementary. Okay. And it's probably one of the most rewarding times that I've ever had. Wow. It was humbling for me, uh, just making me take a step back and realize that my stuff does smell. Um, Mm. So, and also working with the kids. Yeah. Um, Getting used to breaking down a complex message that me and you're talking right now, but breaking that down where let's say 25 second graders are able to understand that message. I feel that. And also move forward and take heed to what you're saying. So that was a very rewarding experience as well. Um, wasn't completely ready to give up on my major. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my really good friends, he worked for a company, a franchise company up in West Palm, mm-hmm. and he'd always talk about how great the company was. <laughs> I have this mm-hmm. opportunity to do this. I'm traveling. I'm growing with the company. And I was like, you know what? Let me just put in my resume. What's the worst that can happen? Right. So I ended up getting an interview. Um, long story short on that one, I ended up getting a job. Probably the first week of being on the job, I happened to see this taller gentleman just happened to be walking by and it's the CEO of the company. Oh, wow. He pulls me to the side and he's like, hey, I haven't met you before. Uh, I know you're Jeremy. I hear you play basketball. He used to play college basketball. Cool. So we just started talking about sports and I'm like, man, this is a really, really cool guy. Yeah. So I go to my friend's office and I'm like, hey, Brady, um, I just met the CEO. He's an awesome guy. He's really into sports just like us. And Brady's looking at me probably for 15, 20 seconds and doesn't say a word and he was like you know that's my uncle right 
So I like to think I got the job on my own merits, uh. but, <laughs> but I definitely had a connection with the company. Yeah. Um, had a lot of great experience there and working for a franchise company, you're just working with different entrepreneurs, yeah. um, people that are looking to start their own business, people that have been in business for 20 plus years. So that gave me somewhat of the breeding grounds to learn about business, not just from textbooks in college, but from a practical sense. Right. right. What's, what makes you successful? Why do you even want to get in business? The people that close their locations, what made them do that. Um, so it was a really good opportunity. And I always had that itch. Um, I'd say I was probably 19 years old. I was home from college and mm-hmm. I wrote myself a note and I put it on top of my bed. And it was like, you're going to start your business. Doesn't know what it's going to be. I yeah. always had that itch to start my own business. So I was with mm-hmm. UFG for seven years and then I transitioned and then doing what I am doing now. So a couple things that, uh, really stood out. I mean, this is great because we all have somewhere that we come from, right? And being able to articulate your story so clearly, right? That's what we what we all should be able to do. So when you fa- had that revelation about the CEO that he's your friend Brady's uncle, right? Uh, it just reminds me of how so much of life and business and what we do, it's all relational. Mm-hmm. It's all relationships, right? A hundred percent. And- it's how we build that trust, those connections there. And I always tell people that there's no such thing as a self-made man. As much as we might think we are, right? We are all being influenced and impacted by others. Mm-hmm. And we grow uh, in our opportunities because of our relationships with others, right? I couldn't agree with that more um, because I had that stigma where – And maybe it comes from sports as well, where you got to be macho, you got to do it by yourself, and you don't want to ask for help. And I found that I had moderate success doing it my way and just kind of like learning as I go. But once I found people that were already doing it and being able to ask them questions, Mm -hmm. it really shortcut that process so much faster. So I couldn't agree with you more, Derek. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And what I'm curious about is you said that you always knew that you wanted to start a business or create something, right? Mm-hmm. What were some ways that you began to notice that even at a young age? I think it might've just been opportunity. Okay. Um, because I may this may sound bad or whatnot, but going back to the sports parallel, playing little league um, football, we played in a uh, very underprivileged area. Mm-hmm. Like I was fortunate that not saying that we are rich or anything like that, but yeah. we played in an underprivileged area. And I saw like a lot of the kids that I met there were some of the smartest kids that I've still met to this day. And they just didn't have an opportunity to do anything. Mm. And I don't want to blame it on system or circumstances or whatnot. But I just said I wanted to control my own destiny. So whether that is being an executive for a company or whatever the case may be. But then as I got a little bit older, I realized like, hey, I think I have what it takes to actually start and run something myself. Um, So I want to say actually as I was looking for a job, out of college and I mentioned the the search process, I started a small marketing firm at that point just to kind of put my toe in the water to see what would happen. Yeah. And then I got hired by UFG. So that one kind of fell by the wayside, but just always had that itch. Yeah. So you had this itch that you knew you wanted to start something and even, so that's interesting about sports, right? And those, those connections that you had with, with these friends who were really smart people and you knew that you wanted to be at the, the top of a company, but but why in particular the business route? Because there's lots of people who 
you know, they want to create something, right? Sometimes it's with an art. Sometimes uh, it can manifest in a lot of different ways. So what is it specifically about business and that kind of entrepreneur? Well, I think a lot of people equate business with money as well. Yeah. So that was one of the things. And it's not so much trying to be a millionaire or a billionaire. Yeah. It's just making sure I'm comfortable and I'm able to take care of my family. Totally. And I can't say the fastest route to get there is starting your own business, but the most control that you have over it is starting your own business. Ah, see, so that's that magic word there then. It's control, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's that sense of if I can be able to have control, as much control as it is in my ability over my own destiny, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to, to do that. And I think uh, there's this idea that I always talk with people about with uh, agency. Mm -hmm. You know, when we have a story that we find ourselves living, we don't want to be what are called passive characters in a story where we're letting things happen to us and we're reactionary to them. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this idea that instead we want to be active protagonists, active characters. We want to go out there and make choices that have weight and it's sometimes consequences because that's the scary part right sure. is we know the that there's stakes when we do something like that and you really don't have that safety net that you would have if you're working for a company yeah. um, and that was one of the things that i noticed as well during the pandemic going back to the control um some of the people that i saw getting laid off they had tenure with their company for 30 plus years they thought that they were going to retire with these companies and obviously unforeseen circumstances they were just getting laid off like yeah. there was nothing so mm -hmm. that was another thing that contributed as well yeah and I think uh, COVID was a huge wake-up call as well for a lot of people in terms of, wow, things can change in a moment. Mm -hmm. And what what do you do if you're at a place, if you're at a company, and you're expendable? In some cases, I feel like it was not even that that person was expendable because sometimes when they let that person go, the company fell as well. Right, So right. it was just kind of like, this is what we have to do to try yeah. to stay afloat. Yeah. And I just never wanted to be in that position, even though some of the positions as an entrepreneur can be trickier when yeah. you're making those decisions of who to let go or whatnot. Um, but I just didn't want to be a position where somebody could tell me, hey, you no longer have a job. Yeah. So now that some time has passed, since you, I mean, you said you were, were you 19 when you started working at that? No. So I was 19 when I started like my first company and I tried to start okay. my first marketing company. I was 20, I think 22 or 23 when I started working for them. Okay. And how long did you end up working for them for? Seven years. Exactly. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like to the day, seven years. Yeah. that That's a good amount of time. No, it was a really good experience. And no bridges were burned on the way out. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to be in Brady's wedding. We were just on his bachelor oh, party awesome. last Friday. Um, so no no uh, bridges were burned at, at any point, but it was just something where my first two months in the company, I told you my first interaction with the CEO, yeah. he took me to lunch. Like he always takes this uh, employees to lunch just to get to know. Mm -hmm. He says, know your team. So yeah. we go to lunch and he's asking me about my goals and I tell them up front, like, I want to own my own business. Like, yeah. I see this as a great opportunity, but I do want to own my own business. And he was telling me it would be 
my biggest pleasure for you to grow through the company, grow through the ranks of the company, start your own business, and then be able to refer business to you. Right, so right. So it was nothing where they wanted you to, to hold you back if there was another opportunity. But even when I did leave, they left the um, the door open for an opportunity. So that's our stories are so similar because I literally worked for a company for seven years exactly. And that this is, we used to always say dream big, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes your dream is going to outgrow what you're doing within this organization, right? Because organizations, they find their lane, right? And they figure out how to travel best in it. Mm -hmm. And you might have a dream. You might have something that fits within that. And you might have something that you find within it, but it it moves beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to have someone uh, there to be able to encourage you with that, that's really special. It is. I mean, and it's not for nothing that he's grown 10 successful franchises. Yeah. Um, they're one of the largest privately held franchisors in the entire world. Right. So I'm not just getting information or advice from Joe Schmo. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's saying actually does hold weight. Right, right. It's been seven years there. What comes next? I always knew the transition was going to happen where I left the company and kind of started my own thing. It wasn't planned how it happened. Okay. So my mother took really ill. She was uh, diagnosed with dementia, Alzheimer's. Mm. So I transitioned to live with her and take care of her at home. So I had the ability to work from home and kind of take care of her at the same time. Yeah. Um, But it got to the point where just had to make a decision. I wasn't able to do full-time care and then full-time work. So I let them know at that point. I was like, listen, this is the situation. And like I said, no bridges were burned. And they understood, but I also told them, like, hey, as I transition out, I am looking to kind of start my own thing, have a little bit, little bit more flexibility. Yeah. So I want to say, like I said, we, pl- I planned this to happen. I just didn't plan how it was going to happen. Yeah. Wow. Uh, again, some parallel tracks here. So I've had two grandmas that had Alzheimer's as well. I'm sorry about that, man. Oh, I'm sorry. You've had to deal with it because that is... It's tough. It, <sighs> Yeah, that is one of the hardest things you can see because it could get really bad with a lot of illnesses physically, but at least, you know, they still remember you and they know who you are, right? But having everything go downhill and losing sight of who you are and what you have together. No, that was definitely a transition for me. Um, Not to get into sad topics or anything like that, but it was definitely a transition and it helped me grow as a person too. Um, A lot of the patience because, I mean, the transition doesn't happen overnight. There's still like times where my mom was my mom and then there'd be certain times where I'm just like, is she pretending or like what's going on? So it's kind of like that transition um, of it slowly happening, but it did teach me a lot and I feel like I've grown as a person. So I'll take that as a silver lining in it. Yeah, of course. We, we grow through conflict. Exactly. When you realized that you were going to have to step away from that job, would you have left at that moment had it not been for I your don't mom? 
I don't know if it would have been at that moment, but it wouldn't have been too shortly after. Okay. Uh, so you already kind of had it in your head that this is what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the initial transition was actually just doing independently what I was doing for the company. Yeah. So I was actually, I assembled a team and we sold franchises for other franchisors. Yeah. So if a franchise company was looking to completely outsource their sales or if they just needed a little bit of help for their existing sales team, mm-hmm. um, that was what I initially did when I left United Franchise Group. But I quickly realized, I was like, I didn't leave that job to kind of take the same job. Yeah. A different. So that was kind of a learning process as well of, hey, we've got something really good here, but is this really what I want to do? Is this why I left the company? That's that's interesting. What you said there is you can have something that's good, something that's secure and it's comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. But you use that word there like, but is that what I ultimately want, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's uh, something we have to ask ourselves every day is what do I want for my life? Well, and I feel like people... They don't think they have control of that, but you absolutely do. At least here you do. I definitely. Uh, you're right. I'll, yeah, yeah. we'll right. definitely give that preface for sure. <laughs> um, that it is. It is nice to be in a place where we can have that control. You know, for the most part here. But even you know, even if you're in a place where you don't have as much control in terms of like what your job could be, right? Because mm-hmm. it's interesting how we attach purpose and meaning to work yep. and to what we do. But purpose and meaning has more to do with who you are, yep. right, than what you do. And so when it comes to this transition, and you said the silver lining was that you grew, right? So I wanted to ask you a couple questions about who you became out of that uh, as a person, right? So what is something that you learned about yourself through this that you didn't know before that you were capable of um, or that you could do? I want to say it was just more or less the resolve um, because I felt I was always a confident person and like, hey, I I know I'll figure this out or I'll be able to do this. But it's also just the resolve of staying the course because there was no waking up the next day and my mom wasn't going to have Alzheimer's. Right. It was okay. This is what the deal is. How do we manage this day to day to day? Mm -hmm. And just being able to kind of take a step back and realize the bigger picture, but also be in the moment. So I think that's kind of the growth more or less. If I had to pinpoint maybe one or two things, the resolve, and then just more or less being in the moment versus trying to think, okay, 10 steps ahead here. Okay. What's going to happen next year? Obviously you want to have that in mind, but it's more important to be present in the moment. Yeah. How did you learn to do that? I mean, some crying at night. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, it it didn't come easy. And like you said, growth comes through conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, it was times where I was just frustrated, like not so much like why me, but why did this have to happen to my mom? Um, and just questioning a lot of things and realizing I could only control so much. Yeah. So being able to control what I can control was really, that was the realization right there of the resolve or whatever, taking a step back or being in the moment. It's just, man, I have no control over that. So why yeah. am I even worrying about it? I have so much to worry about here. Let me just handle this here. Mm-hmm. Was there particular people or particular stories or anything in particular that was really keeping you going through this time? 
I think it goes back to that core group of friends that I mentioned at, when we started um, speaking. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was letting a lot of them down, just mm, not being available wow. anymore. Um, I wasn't myself at times. I'm yeah. like a laughing person. And I remember I made the remark. I was like, man, it's been like three months since I've had a really, really good laugh. Yeah. So I felt like I was letting a lot of them down. But when I started to express what was going on, them being there for me, uh, my best friend uh, or one of my best friends, his parents went through the same thing. Mm. Um, so them inviting me over and probably maybe like three months before my mom was diagnosed, his uh, mother passed away from. Uh, wow. So yeah. he was still kind of raw in it. And I think it was refreshing for him to have somebody to talk to and explain it to. And it was also refreshing for me to hear. Ex- because you hear a lot of people that give you advice that have never been in the situation before. Yep. Uh, absolutely. And they have great intentions, but yeah. it, it's not practical. It's for not me. practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So being open and vulnerable with these friends about and what you And that were was a transition through. too. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, I, I take it that changed the dynamic of your group. I want to say it did. Um, not like a 180 or anything like yeah. that, but it was just like, okay, like we understand we're like certain things Jeremy's not going to be involved with, but hey, let's FaceTime him or let's like reach out to him to make sure everything's good. So I'd say the dynamic changed in that part, but in terms of like our interactions and our group text and like wanting to do stuff together, that part didn't change so much. Just them being a bit more understanding. Yeah. And not saying that they weren't understanding before, me allowing them to be more understanding. Yeah. Now, when you had hard days um, as you were transitioning within this this season, was there any new habits or new patterns or rhythms that you had to kind of bring into your life? I'm still not good at this one, but meditation was one that's really, really helped. Um, I hear a lot of people say that, and it's just like, oh, that's the cliche thing to say. Right. But there were times where I just like, let me be in the moment. Let me yeah. just be one with my thoughts. Right. Even if I wasn't like at home or anything, mm-hmm. um, just like certain breathing exercises or whatnot really, really did help. The one that I lent on the most was just being active. Yeah. Um, I love to play sports still to this day, um, work out with my friends. Yeah. And then also I got a punching bag. So that really, really helped. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine, you know, let off some steam there. Right. That definitely helped. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah. Finding what those things are that are going to sustain us through our story is is so important. And last question kind of on this particular chapter in your life, and then I want to hear kind of where it all led to from there. But was there um, any moments or any time that you were almost tempted, if, if maybe that's the right word, to compromise on something that was valuable to you? Um, I mean, maybe in the early stages, just kind of thinking and feeling pressure from outside forces um, to maybe put my mom in assisted living or something mm. like that. And that would be a huge compromise because that's something I said that I would never do. Yeah. Um, just seeing the sacrifices that she made for me. Um, she had an offer with Motorola. Um, I don't want to, I don't know if it was an executive position, but it was definitely like a step up from what she was doing. Yeah. But we would have to move to Illinois. And she was like, I didn't want to uproot Jeremy at that age and like take him away from all of his friends. Yeah. She ended up going back to school to 
to try to get another job that made just as much money. So in terms of compromising, that was probably the only time that I, I really thought about some, compromising something that was truly important to me. Yeah. Yeah. That and that recognizing that sacrifice that your mom had made. And that's what informed your decision. It's it's the interconnectivity of our narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, because the narratives of others will shape our own exactly. narrative. Yeah, we don't live in a vacuum. Way. We don't, no. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because I think about this idea of wanting to control everything. Control so as far as we get what we want, but what happens if we can have that control, but we have to forsake something, mm-hmm. right? And so like with your mom, the there was a, a really clear value that it sounds like you had that I don't want to put my mom in this situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, we will be in it together no matter how hard it is, right? And, and you, and ultimately it might've been quote unquote easier in the sense of like, oh, well now I don't have to see her all the time. I don't have to deal with this, mm-hmm. but you didn't want to go that route, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of, um, are you familiar with the three temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness? Have you ever heard of those before? I have. So you were, the, the last one is that he's, uh, you, you have the, the devil coming to him and saying, you can have all these kingdoms, all these things I'll give you power over all this control, but you have to do one thing you have to bow down and you have to worship me. Right. So in other words, you have to compromise this value of yours. Mm-hmm. And if you compromise that value, you can have your life. You can have control. You can have the easy way. Mm-hmm. But of course the hard way <laughs> is to not do that. And then to try to, you know, have control and power, um, not by domination, but through influence and compassion, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I don't know. Any any thoughts on that? No, I, I feel ideas? that's really been huge for me. And I know we kind of talked about asking for help and not being too prideful or whatnot. Um, but I feel that not compromising, kind of being strong and staying to your values – that's the easy route. I yeah. mean, mm. it's harder in the moment, but there have been times in the past where like you'll compromise something and it's in the back of your head forever. Yep, and you yep, just yep. have to live with it. Absolutely. So I, I think that's the part that's the hard part that people don't realize up mm. front. It's not the instant gratification. Yeah, that is so good. So how long were you taking care of your mom? Probably a little over two years. Okay. And then when you get to the end of that two years, what's next? So unfortunately, the chapter ended with her passing away. Mm, I'm so sorry. Um, So that obviously still dealing with it to this day. Um, That's only been less than a year. Obviously. Oh, wow. So, I didn't realize it was that fresh. Yeah. So wow. less than a year that's happened. But 
um, the transition, things were already in place in terms of the businesses. Um, Which businesses specifically? All right. So started. So when I transitioned from United Franchise Group, yeah. the company that I mentioned, selling franchises for other franchisors, mm-hmm. is called Shared Wealth Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So we did that for probably six, seven months. And like I said, I got to the realization where this isn't really what I want yeah, to do. Right. Through that process, one of the the companies that consulted me, um, they actually offered me equity in their company. Okay. Um, so that seemed kind of seemed like a great opportunity at the time. But like you said, everything's interconnected. Yeah. And it's also the business could be a great concept. It's also more important about the people that you're working with mm-hmm. because it can mm-hmm. be the best business in the world. But if you don't have the chemistry, you're running into the ground. Yep. Um, so we ran the course with that for probably two years. Okay. But there are red flags like all over the place. Ah. Like, okay, maybe this isn't what it should be. Maybe this yeah. isn't. Okay. Like he said this when, okay. So just red flags in the back of my head. And that's when I actually started um, the photo booth business just to have some income coming in on the side where I wasn't relying on that franchise company. So if anything ever like hit the fan, I would always have income coming yeah. in just the security in that. So why a photo booth? Um, so back to the company that I was working for, one of the employees was probably my age or a little bit older or younger. So maybe a year or two, give or take from me. And uh, he would always talk about his photo booth business. So he ran a photo booth business on the side. He was like, I don't have to put much effort into it. It's pretty much referral based and it yeah. runs itself. So that's kind of the stigma that I had in my mind. Yeah. I met with him once we once I left the company, I met with him when my mom was actually still living. And I was just hashing out some different ideas because he had left and started his own company. Yeah. Uh, really successful, had gotten bought out or whatnot. And then I started asking him about the photo booths. So I took that idea back home and I was like, you know what? This could be a safe way where it's not too much effort on my end. I can still focus on the franchise company yeah, and then just have that going on the side and make some side money. So that's yeah. kind of how that one started. Yeah. Awesome. So you found that you were able to, with the photo booth company, you were able to have something that you could maintain easily, something that could almost run itself. Right. And I've, and I've done your photo booth by the way too. And it's, really easy. Well, and that's the simplicity that I love in it because most events, I just drop it off and pick it up. Mm -hmm. That's it. It takes 30 minutes out of my day. (laughs) That's incredible. So that was a a pretty big one for me, being able to um, capitalize on the photo booths, something that, like I said, didn't take too much time or effort from me. But another thing that it did provide me was I was able to network with a lot of people that yeah. I probably otherwise wouldn't have been able to network with. Uh-huh. So there were these high upper end events or whatnot, and I would just volunteer the booth. I would say, hey, yeah. listen, I see you guys are having this event. Um, I think the photo booth would be a great addition for your event yeah. if you have any interest in that. And a lot of people were receptive and just made a lot of really good connections and obviously got referral business off of that, but the connections are invaluable. Yeah. Awesome. And so you've been doing that for about uh, a couple years, right? Correct. Okay. And then you've not only got the photo booth business, but you've also got Speakeasy Studios. So how did that come about? So that one has a pretty unique story as well. Um, That one actually came through Shared Wealth uh, when I was selling franchises for other franchisors. Uh There was another concept that approached me, um, and I won't get into too many details about that specific company, Sure, um, but they were looking to 
launch a so they had a couple of studios they were looking to scale that into a franchise opportunity okay so if somebody had let's say like the space like 1201 where they have a free room mm -hmm. um they could do a build out of a studio yeah and they would have the infrastructure of that franchise company kind of to run everything through right so as we kind of did more research and due diligence i just fell in love with podcasting the space in general i feel like it's untapped as many podcasts as there are i still feel like it's untapped yeah i joke with people all the time it's not going to be too long before you're able to get in your car and just press the podcast button without syncing your phone or doing anything like that. Just That's press fair. the podcast That's button. That's fair. So I feel like they are going to be a bit more mainstream. But as we did our research on this company, once again, more and more red flags just started to pop up. So mm. I learned my lesson or I learned a lot of lessons working with that uh, initial franchise company. Yeah. And we got to the point where we were going to sign a deal. Okay. Um, we were going to become the first licensees or franchisees for that. They were going to do the entire build out, find us a location. Um, and then I would be responsible. So me and my team would be responsible for the sales and the growth of the franchise yeah. brand. So me and my partner were doing like a, a deep dive and we're just like having a heart to heart. And my, my partner says, I get a bad feeling about this, man. Like mm. I, something just doesn't feel right. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research and I just like, all the research I had done to that point was really on the company, and yeah. I did some surface-level information on the CEO. Okay. So that entire night, I just researched, like, everything that I could find on the CEO, trying to go, like, in the, the, oh, the dark no. web and everything. Oh, no, not the dark guy. web. <laughs> but it find out that this guy's a fraud. Oh. Um, he's defrauded people similar to us before where he'll overpromise and underdeliver. He wow. has employees that he hasn't paid yet. Wow. Um, so just a really, really bad situation. Yeah. And I really, really thank my partner for even just having that gut feeling of saying, Hey man, let's just check this guy out before we sign anything. So we were so in love with the space that we were like, we're going to do this no matter what yeah. with or without him. Right. So my partner already had a lot of the equipment that you would need. And he was actually looking to start from his house. But as we started going through this process, we're like, why not just rent out a shared office, uh, build out a studio, maybe yeah. partner with the shared office where they have some residual from it, too. So as we're in that process, you mentioned how we met this networking group. Mm -hmm. um, this was probably the first or second time that I had ever come to the networking. Group. Yeah. And I remember that morning like it was yesterday. Um, it's probably I wake up pretty early, but it's probably 6.30 that morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I don't feel like going today. Like, I'm not going. I'm yeah. not going. And I have it in my head that I'm not going. But as I say I'm not going, I'm just still getting up, brushing my teeth. You live five minutes away. Put my clothes <laughs> on. Well, I was saying because I have so much other stuff to do. Yeah. Like, this just doesn't fit in my schedule. Totally. So I was just still getting ready as I'm going. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going. Yeah. So I ended up going, met some really good people. And at the end of the meeting, I was talking to Bob, I forget his name. Uh, last Bob Padgett? Bob Padgett. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm talking to Bob Padgett. Uh, we're having a good conversation, and he's telling me more about Primerica. Yeah. And I was like, well, listen, Bob, I've got X, Y, and Z going on. I really don't know if I have the time for it. And then even on top of that, one of my really good friends is starting a podcast studio, and I want to help him, and I don't know what my involvement with that is going to be. Right. Literally, as I said that, Kelly Olive just happened to be walking by. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, Jeremy, when you finish speaking to Bob, um, come talk to me. 
So uh, I end up speaking to Kelly and she is like, hey, we just built out a podcast studio in the back here. We have so much other stuff going on. It seems like the opposite where we don't know how to run that, but you're looking for maybe a partnership or somewhere you can yeah. house the podcast studio. Yeah. If you're open to having lunch, I love to meet you and your partner and just see where things go. Um, so Kelly and Mike... Nick and myself all went out to two Georges, mm -hmm. um, had lunch, great conversation, and set the foundation for, okay, this is how we can see it plan out. We had a follow-up meeting here at the studio, and then that's where everything just fell into place. Wow. Just like that? Just like that. Wow. <laughs> and that's what uh, you've been doing. I know you've been building it out for a while, but the podcast has been live for, I think, the last couple of months, right? Yes. So I myself, or Speakeasy, what we want to do is have an aggregate of all of the different uh, podcasts that are on our network. Yeah. So ultimately, we want to be able to monetize those podcasts where, mm. let's say, um, somebody wants to advertise on a sports podcast or yeah. just specifically a hip-hop po uh, podcast. Yeah. It's a hyper-targeted focus where they know exactly who they're going for. But if we get somebody that just says, hey, you guys have 10 podcasts on your network right now. I want to advertise with all of them and just spread a wide net. We'd be able to trickle down money to the individual podcast as well. Right. So that's kind of the idea there. So we don't ourselves have a podcast. We have a platform where we put the other ones out. Um, 1201 does have a podcast. Right. I guess that's what I was referring yes. to. So 1201, they started their podcast maybe four months ago now. Okay. Um, and theirs is more or less conversation. So Jeanette um, is the main host in yep. that one. And then Kelly, she'll chime in every once in a while. But if they have a set interview, they'll both do the interview. Right. Um, but I would say the dedicated host at this point is Jeanette. Yeah. Jeanette Brown. And Jeanette has been on this show. If you want to go back and check it out, it was, uh, I think, around the fall of last year. But she was on an episode with some other creators and people that are, have been part of that, that group. So, mm -hmm. so you bring these podcasts, mm -hmm. so you're helping other people to create and you're using your marketing background. Mm -hmm. Like I, it's amazing when we get to this point where all the things you've mentioned in your story, they're all kind of coming together in this moment, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that you would plan it is, okay, I'm going to start this marketing company and do just marketing. Yeah. But the way that it comes together is, okay, this is a really cool idea. Yeah. Let me use my background and my skill set. And actually, my friend has an operations background. How do we blend this all together to take this concept and right. use our skill sets to build it? So what have you learned from all that? Um, really that there's no plan. I think that's the, the <laughs> biggest thing that I've learned. There's no plan. Obviously, you want to have some sort of strategy or like some sort of direction of where you're going. But just the events of life take you in so many different directions. If Kelly just hap didn't happen to be walking by at that time, we would be in a shared studio. We wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be sitting in here with you right now. Right. So just little things like that change the trajectory of everything. They do. They do. And it's amazing how... Our stories, because I think, I think as I've been listening to your story, one of the things that's really resonated with me and that I'm kind of hearing over and over again, it always comes back to this idea of control, right? We want to have a sense of control over our lives, but then there's also this paradox where a lot of the things that we actually want to happen for our lives are out of our control, they come through relationships. They come through being at the right place at the right moment and saying the right thing at the right place yep. at the right moment at the right time with the right person coming yep. in to hear it, right? There's so many things in life that are like that. And so it's that delicate balance, mm -hmm. balancing act, right? 
And I think that's that's the journey we're all on. But if you're an entrepreneur, that's the tightrope that we walk every well, single day. Going back to the question that you asked, what did I learn as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think another thing is just show up. Yeah. Just show up. 95% of it is just showing up. Yeah. Uh, being consistent and showing up. Because I think back to that morning all the time. It's like, okay, what if I went to that other meeting instead of going to 1201? Yeah. Yeah. Just showing up. What was it that you told yourself to finally get out the door and say, okay, I guess I'm going? I mean, that one is, it's pretty easy for me. It's just like what are you doing? Like, we're going. It's not even a huge psychological thing. It's just me kind of looking at myself like, what are you doing, man? And just going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds little, right? But obviously that huge ramifications. Well, and I also think some of that comes back to sports too. um, Where (laughs) where I would be able, I'd be in a workout or something and like, you're ready to go home and you got a couple more reps to do and you're just looking at the person next to you doing the reps and you're like, all right, if he can do it, I can do it. So kind of one of those things too. Yeah. Or she can do it, I can do it. He or she, doesn't matter the gender. Right, right. Awesome. So just to kind of wrap up here, I would love to just kind of ask you as a final question, what has been key to you living a meaningful story? And what advice would you give to any listener out there who hears your story and said, well, that's great for you, Jeremy, but it ain't like that for me. What what sort of uh, advice or what would you share in terms of what it means to live a meaningful story. So I think the first part is just caring about other people's stories has really, really helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, because I think we can be pretty myopic at times and kind of get trapped in our own situation, Absolutely. our own paradox. Um, but just hearing what other people have to say and not just, or actually listening to what people say, not yeah. just hearing it. Yeah, that's good. I think that really has helped me a lot. Um, and then a piece of advice that I have for people, I think really what I just said, just show up, yeah. just show up, get out of your own head and just show up um, because 95% of the battle is just showing up. If you look at kind of across the board and just my experience in everything, whether it's school, um, sports, at work, with this podcast venture, with the, the photo booth venture, it's just that I hear, and I can give you a specific example with the photo booth. We have a recurring event that we do, and they had another photo booth vendor beforehand, and they're like, well, this guy kind of showed up late. He didn't answer phone calls. or yeah. Just being consistent and showing up is really half the battle because a lot of people don't even take that that minuscule or the, yeah. the smallest effort that you can. So you got that, everyone? <laughs> just show up. That's what a lot of it is, right? I know... We have those moments where we can get so busy in life and we could think, I can, that's not that important, right? Or I don't know. And and we're, we all fall into that, right? Like, I mean, we've definitely had more moments where like, I'm not going today to the networking yep. group, right? But I think that having that mindset of I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep showing up, I'm going to do the things that are in my control and the things that are outside of my control I'm going to deal with them as they come, try to be proactive about it, but being able to acknowledge that there are things out of our control that are 
going to take our life in directions we didn't expect, like with your mom uh, having Alzheimer's. And then there's other times where we're going to have things outside of our control that change the trajectory of our narrative, like mm -hmm. Kelly coming up and talking to you that day, right? So control is a tricky thing. It's mm -hmm. a funny thing. It's something that we as entrepreneurs and just as people in general, we recognize the delicate balance we walk in life. And this is probably a good place to start to wrap it. And so, Jeremy, it's been so good to have you here. If people want to get more connected with you, want to learn more about you, what you do, Speakeasy Studios, how, how can they find you? I would say on a personal level, if you want to reach out to me, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. If you want any more information on Speakeasy Studios, um, www.myspeakeasystudio.com. Um, we also have our YouTube channel where you can actually see some of the podcasts that are, are on our network as of this point. Just get a better feel for what's out there. And then also we're on all the major platforms. So your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify, uh, your Amazon, your Google, all of those major platforms, we're on those as well. Um, so definitely check us out. And if you have any interest of getting your voice out there in the form of a podcast, definitely reach out to me directly. Awesome. And Jeremy is creating these podcasts. He's helping people to create their podcasts. And it is a beautiful avenue for storytelling and for people's stories to be told and not just to be heard, but to be truly listened to and received, right? And so, Jeremy, thank you for doing that. Thank you for staying faithful because podcasting is definitely a medium <laughs> that you don't always see a lot of fruit in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that could be a blessing where you don't have like trolls on YouTube that are commenting, <laughs> right? Sometimes that's nice about podcasts. But then at the same time, you also, I don't know if you have this experience, but you might upload something and you see it, the numbers there, but you're just like, I wonder what people thought. Mm -hmm. They like it. You know, and there, there's this, uh, with, with podcasting, I always tell people who want to get into it, I say, you know what it's going to be like, it's going to be, it's going to be like putting something out there, mm -hmm. something that's very of you, except you're not going to hear from 90% of the people who heard it, what that meant to them. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating, but that's just kind of how the medium is. I think about all the great podcasts I listened to. Have I ever reached out to any of them and exactly. said, hey, like your podcast on such and such was life-changing and I learned something? No. I may give it five stars, but you're right. Yep. I won't leave a comment. Yeah. <laughs> I, or, you know, trying to track down the person. But that doesn't have to be true for you with this <laughs> podcast because you can email me directly. D-E-R-R-I-C-K at allthingsnarrative.com. Let me know what you think of this podcast. Don't be like me, <laughs> Jeremy, where we don't tell anybody what they think about the podcast. If you like this podcast, and I do every once in a while get someone that will write in, and that's really touching and meaningful. So if you want to make my day, then 
feel free to. Well, before you wrap too, that. Derek, I yeah. think one of the conversations that we had before this is the feedback really drives us, and we can give you more of the content that you want. Yes, um, yes. So Good please point. give us that feedback. Yes, it will help us to be better. That is how on this podcast, and maybe with you as well, we we've decided like what sort of topics we want to talk about, what sort of direction we want to go in. It's from listening to people. So you do have more influence than you think you do when the podcast world because we as podcast you know creators we listen and we take it very seriously because there aren't a lot of people who speak up so when somebody does we take that very seriously <laughs> and so feel free to check out jeremy's work at speakeasy studios all the podcasts he's helping to establish subscribe to them so you never miss an episode same here with all things narrative because we got lots of great episodes coming up including uh, in a couple weeks, we got an episode on the science fiction genre, which is going to be a ton of fun because if you remember back in the Star Wars episode last year when Nick and I went at it uh, in our debate of whether The Last Jedi sucks or not, we'll get ready because we got a whole new debate about what is the best and worst Christopher Nolan film uh, in terms of the sci-fi that we really get in. We really get in it. And so you definitely want to come back for that. Don't forget to check out allthingsnarrative.com, Speakeasy Studios. And thank you so much, Jeremy, for being here, for taking time to have this conversation. No, thanks so much for having me, Derek. Thanks for the platform as well. Yes. And for everyone out there, we will be back. And in the meantime, this is your friendly narrative practitioner signing off, saying thank you so much. And until next time, take care. <laughs>